Sprouta opens up a world of collective expertise and unique solutions for organizations who have the drive to maximize their impact and want to do good work in the world. Sprouta gives you a new way to identify and solve your real challenges within people, performance, and culture. This is a Sprouta podcast. Hi, my name is Craig Foreman, also known as Culture Craig, and I'm a lead people scientist with CultureAmp, the world's top-ranked people and culture platform. I've always been driven by a genuine curiosity of people and have built a career around my personal mission to help the world work better by improving the places we work. In this podcast, we're amplifying the professional and personal stories of people in our industry who are passionate about making a difference and courageously delivering better experiences for humans at work. This is Humanity Works with me, Culture Craig. Three, two, one. Here we go. Alexander Schiller and Nicole Harkis are co-leading the learning and organizational development team at BDO, an accounting and management firm with offices globally. Before they were colleagues, they were friends. So when Alexandra wanted to return from maternity leave, but in a part-time capacity, she approached Nicole to do the job together. The two of them have come together for what they see as a grand experiment in sharing power, balancing feminine and masculine energies, and showing up with intention. If you don't know your ego well, try and share power and you'll get to know it really well. Alexandra, Nicole, I am so happy to be here. Thank you for joining us. Uh, How are you doing? Great. Thank you for having us. Good, Craig. For anybody who's listening, they're probably curious who you are. So let's start with the first intro, and I said there's going to be two introductions. The first intro, the, you're professional. I met, I met, I'm meeting you at a conference. Alexandra, hi, I'm Craig. You are? Hi, Craig. I'm Alexandra Schiller. I am, I'm co-leading a, a learning and organizational development team at BDO. Um, so if you haven't heard of BDO, it's a, an accounting management firm, and it's global. Um uh, I, my background is as a psychologist, so that's kind of the rank, the way I came up through. And um, I've worked internal and I've worked external um, to organisations, but always really with a focus around leadership development. How do we help people fully show up at work in all of their capacities and how do we give them opportunities that takes them to their edges? So. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. And at this conference, hey, I see that you're here with somebody you must know. Nicole is her badge, says Nicole. Hey, Nicole, I'm Craig. How are you? Well, hi, Craig. It's, it's a pleasure to meet you. Um, my name is Nicole Herkes, and I am also co-leading the um, the learning and organizational development team at BDO with my beautiful colleague, Alexandra Schiller. I am. Uh, I also am an organisational development professional. I've worked in this space for, you know, up 25 years. I have come through as an executive coach and a facilitator. And a huge proportion of the work that I've done, you know, whether it's inside organisations internally or whether it's externally as a consultant, is really around um, shaping leadership and workplace cultures that are impactful and healthy and safe and enable people to thrive. Awesome. Wow. Amazing people. I'm really excited. And you mentioned a little bit of like uh, those that maybe if you've read or not beforehand, part of what this conversation is about is the job share. So mm. these two wonderful people, Alexandra and Nicole, co-share the role of what the role itself is head of learning and development for BDO. Yeah. yeah. Is that correct? correct? Yeah, yeah, correct. Awesome. So we're, we're going we're gonna to go there and get into that because I think it's such, a, such an interesting piece and definitely we've all agreed a piece that we want to talk about today. What should the world know? What wouldn't they know from looking at your LinkedIn page? Um, so we'll go back around. Alexandra, hey there. Who are, who are you? <laughs> Hi, Craig. I am a, a first-time mom. I'm 20 months in to having um, my first, yeah, my first little girl, Harriet. I'm someone who's always been super curious about human behavior, the mind, and what it means to live a good a good life, I suppose, in simple terms. Um, and from a really young age, that took me into the field of psychology. It was really never a question that I would do psychology. It was an obvious choice. And 
um, I made the choice really early on when I was sort of in this position of, do I go down a clinical stream or an organisational? It wasn't much of a dilemma. It was quite clear early on that I would choose the organisational stream with the intent of probably going clinical at some point because of the impact that I thought I could have through an organisational context and just the touch point that that gives with society and the role work plays in shaping people and the impact that we have on the world through organisations. So that's led me into a position um, at BDO with Nicole Herkes, where together we're starting to think about how do we create opportunities and experiences for people to grow into their full capacities. Um, so we can talk more about what that means. But yeah, it's really about creating experiences for people to be the best leaders they possibly can be. And has that, like, can you go back and like, was that there at a young age? Like, can you look back now and feel like connect to that at a young age? Yeah, I can, what I can, not the role as such, but what I can connect with really clearly. I remember uh, maybe one of my earliest memories before I was five years old thinking your attitude changes everything like how I choose to think about this. Oh, wow. And I didn't know that that was different. I didn't, mm. that was just my experience. And I'm only starting to unpack that now that maybe that was quite young to be thinking like that. So mm. I do remember Very having powerful. that interest in being pretty philosophical, probably um, more than psychological from a really young age. Yeah. So interesting too, sometimes these things in life, as I get a little bit older, like, <laughs> before you had language, like you knew these things yeah. and you've almost had to like get back oh. to it now that you have to try to figure it out cognitively. But some of these things I think are energetic and we know them oh. and then we almost get in our own ways. So true. So true. I mean, it sounds a bit simplistic now, but I do remember at a really young age and <laughs> I just remember thinking about war and love at a really young, young age and, and being like, why can't we all just, it seemed really perplexing to me back then, like, why can't we all just love each other? Why can't we all just be good to each other? And I'm sure that's, you know, lots of people feel like that, but it felt, I can still that. connect with that innocence of that perspective as a young child, for sure. I love it. Yeah. No, and that doesn't sound so strange. You know, my, my father was a, a Vietnam vet, so I heard about that. My grandparents were Holocaust survivors. So just just being exposed to that it forced, forced me to, so I used to have those thoughts. It just didn't make sense. Yes, it just didn't. I mean... And that's the beauty of the simplistic mind of someone who's younger. How, how, do, how do we hold, still hold that kind of intent now, but also navigate, you know, <laughs> much more complex world that exists now in these different structures? Like how do we use that as a good, powerful source inside of us without suffering because of it either? Because you could be taken huge advantage of having that kind of orientating yourself around that in the world as well. So creating boundaries and... Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for, thank you for you know, really being willing to open up and share yeah. um, and hopefully setting the stage for our next second intro. <laughs> what about you, Nicole? Who's, who's Nicole aside from uh, the job share at BDO? Uh, just who, who are you and what's, what's, what's kind of led you in your life to this? So, so I, I'm also a mum. My kids are older than Alex's though. I'm, a, I'm kind of at the other end. So my, my kids are 18 and 15. So I'm almost transitioning into a different phase of that journey, you know, as a woman, like they're starting to leave home. So, so, you know, if we talk about kind of life's, you know, stages and transitions, I'm in a different place, which is kind of exciting because it, it feels like it's another new beginning or there's a new phase that, that I'm stepping into. Um, I loved hearing those stories, Alex. It's great. And it made it's it sparked for me thinking about my own orientation and early memories. And I remember being eleven and having a sleepover at a girlfriend's house. And while she was out of the room, I this is so kooky. I had a visitation, and I thought it was God, right? And I remember hearing sort of having this visitation from and this voice that said you're here to take people from the old world to the new. Oh, wow. And I know, I know, right? And um, oh. I've always, it's stayed with me, right? you know, it's it's totally stayed with me. And I've, I think I've been trying to work out what on earth it means, actually, for a lot of that time. Um, but it's beginning to make a bit more sense now because I feel like, you know, our planet, it's, it's kind of like we're at a, in a time between worlds, you know. It feels a lot like we are mm -hmm. we are exiting one, 
you know, phase or epoch, if you like, and we are part of the experiment that's trying to birth the new one. And it's it's bumpy, hey, you know, mm. and I think it's rocky and it's probably going to be like that for a while. So, you know, in the context of of this conversation and, and my orientation, I think I've always felt like I, I just wanted to somehow in my time um, serve, be of service in some way. Um, and how could I mm. do that, you know, in the most meaningful way, you know, that I was able to. And I think through various different life stages, I've found myself in this space, which is in this organisational dimension, in this phase where, you know, we work with cultures and people that are coming together to achieve common goals um, and sharing this human experience at the same time, this bumpy road of, you know, evolution, I guess. Wow. Hmm. Uh, man, I love it. And here's what I heard in both of those that's a, a powerful piece um, to me is this idea of purpose. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know for myself that, mm-hmm. um, it took me a while to figure it out. And I got, I did ultimately in my thirties. I mean, like people that know me, I mean, I'll say it, I, I'm here to help the world work better by improving the places we work. And that's what I moved from. But where I'm going with that is I often talk to people in their career journey and say, work, get that nailed down. Cause everything else seems to fit into place when you know that. However, the irony is so hard to get, but what, I think what you both mm-hmm. hit on, which I believe we've known all along. So it's how do we get back to this thing that you knew when you were little? It's, you know, uh, that the world and the stories and you wanted to go do this or do that or I should make more money and all those things versus just get back to this thing. It takes so much work to get back to this true essence of you're here to do something. Uh, and then I and then I wonder, Nicole, about your friend that came back in the room after you had the voice from God and like, how was the how did the rest of that sleep over? <laughs> Great question. Awesome question. You're different. What's going on? <laughs> so any reflection purpose? And then we're gonna I wanna really I wanna talk about this the role and all that, but what you what are your thoughts this idea of purpose, especially you know, you're coaching, you're working with people on their careers and their journeys. Mm, I have some views, but you you go first, Nick. Maybe going back to that point that I made before about it's a wild and bumpy ride being a human at this in this moment in time. I think yeah. purpose is what gives you orientation. It's a north star. Um, you know, it helps you navigate this, you know, this experience. So, so I've, I've, I feel like it's really important to me personally. And I notice that when people Mm. find that sense of purpose, it creates space and a, and a quietness, which helps them move through this frenetic Mm. world. And that, and there's something in that that space mm-hmm. and that quietness which feels so potent to me. That's what's so important. We got to get there to create the new. I think. I think that's so true. Um, and I'm going to just throw in a different perspective here because I'm thinking about I'm thinking about how purpose does change over time at different stages of life, and there needs to be a lot of flexibility in how we actually define purpose and think about purpose. And I'm thinking about all those people who might be listening to this podcast. And I think maybe this might happen at younger stages in your life or earlier stages in your career where you're like, oh, I've got to nail this purpose. And it just adds this extra Mm. pressure, you know, like do your passion, do your purpose. Like uh, how do you actually know what that is? I I suppose what we're saying is can you keep remembering, you know, there was a whisper as a whisper and and then my advice to those people is okay well like set up an experiment <laughs> around that whisper <laughs> you know like keep it simple if the whisper you think it, it's saying this to you just go go do something and test it out you know was it a whisper worth listening to and and slowly over time you accumulate a bunch of experiences that start to build a narrative and a deeper kind of wisdom about who you are and I, I would hate anyone to think that, you know, like I've got my purpose and it's super clear. That's always this shifting kind of thing. But I suppose the overarching flavor in there that remains the same all the time is this desire to lead a new way forward, similar to Nick. Maybe that's one of the things we connect. I didn't say that as explicitly, but, you know, having whatever I do, I kind of have a courage mm-hmm. to pioneer and push it in in some way that 
often I think, oh gosh, this, this might not work out to I'm my favour, but I can't not do it. That's the purpose. I'm listening to that voice that says yeah, I cannot yeah. not do this. When I first learned about Nicole and Alexandra, I was so intrigued by the what and the how of job sharing, especially in a senior position. How do they manage their time? How do they decide who does what? What do their diaries look like? We do unpack all of the logistics behind what it takes to actually share a job. But as with everything Nicole and Alexandra, we jump straight to the why first. So Alex and I have, we should background this. Alex and I have had a friendship and a collaboration. So worked professionally over many years. So we've been in this deeper conversation for a while about you know, our shared reflections on work and what's needed at work and how to make workplaces thrive. And so we've been in this conversation. In fact, it kind of totally ignites both of us. But this particular job was interesting, though, because um, Alex has had the role for a number of years. And it was when she was transitioning and coming back to work after maternity leave that she invited me and we started the conversation about about the role share. And some of that's driven by the case that we were both really experimenting with this idea of how do you hold a significant executive role and, you know, family responsibilities and show up in your life in meaningful ways you know, and meet the expectations. And some of that doesn't feel possible. You know, we're kind of both really questioning the superwoman ethos, you know. So we were like, how do we do this more sustainably and in ways that are more nourishing? And, And so this is where that conversation came from, was what would it look like to share this role so that we could both thrive and flourish and bring more to the role and to the team. Is that right? I think that's spot on. I think, you know, as a first time, just being really pragmatic about it, I didn't, I was very clear that I didn't Mm. want to work more than three days. So if you just take me before I bring Nicole into it, you know, does that mean I need to let go of my job? Like how do we create the business probably in that senior role? They need some consistency or they need some access to someone five days a week potentially, you know, that was one of the assumptions that we were working from. So from that place of certainty of like, I don't want to do more than three days. Okay, well, let's think about how is it possible to be a female leader part time and still meet the demands of the business. Yeah. Mm. And and then there's the all the rich stuff that you're talking. I mean, we were just really lucky that the business, I guess, you know, if this is, and this is Alex's influencing that created this, but the business was really open to her idea of experimenting with this. And, you know, she, the way she framed it to the partnership was, you know, is this a, is this something that we should be thinking about more broadly? Like we'll run an experiment, but for more senior women in the business, for partners at partner level, you know, is this, is this a model we can experiment with? Yeah. And Alex, how long had you been in the role prior? It'd been a couple of years. Yeah. I went into this role. Yeah, there's a bit of context around how I ended up in this role and how I've chosen to lead in this role that probably is a bit unconventional um, right from the start. So that probably set the stage in many ways. But yeah, it was two two and something years. And uh, I mean, one of the unconventional things was I said really first up when they um, offered the position to me, you know, well, my intent is to become a mother really soon they didn't blink an eyelid that was just my stuff but yeah which was which was refreshing but we can't ignore the fact that I don't think a lot of women would be that upfront and feel safe enough to actually just put that out there in light of being offered a, a new senior position mm-hmm. which is really kind of when you say that we're all like mm-hmm, and it's like also isn't that weird and sad like that's not even an okay conversation for me, though, so this comes, this gets us into the deeper stuff. How do I have a really connected, honest relationship with my boss and hold that piece of information that is so important to who I am and what my drivers and direction and intent and how do we strategically plan that? You know, I feel like that's important information if we're going to have a really honest, intimate relationship. And I judge that even with that voice, that if you're a person moving through the world, mm. claiming what you want, saying like the world is sort of shifting around you too. Like 
the fact you are doing that, showing up that yeah. way. There's probably other things that we're not talking about today that just went right by because it just didn't, you were able to. And yeah. then I think for myself, those, for all those years yeah. when I couldn't claim it or say it and how many times I found myself in these wrong spots yeah. because I wasn't willing to like let something go yeah. if I said my truth. There's something very freeing that opens up possibility when we're able to speak from that place, I think. And that's really beautiful, Alex, because yeah. I think even the, just listening to you talk like that, in lots of ways, you hold lots of of paradox in in the way that you hold leadership. It's really beautiful to watch. It's quite disarming. I yeah. watch I watch you doing a lot of these little experiments in every moment. The way that that you're negotiating with um, with with the senior people in our firm, and you really do hold that really beautiful disarming way of of cutting through um, so much of of the the constructs that that come with work, right? Um, and cutting straight to the intimacy and the heart, which is, I think, probably a reflection of what's really important to you, isn't it? Yeah, but let's just call out. And sorry, Craig, you jump in here, but I just want to see what just happened there. Is that Nicole? More importantly, imagine if I wasn't job sharing. That's unseen, that's invisible work mm. that I've been doing for a while. And now I have someone else there who can fully see me. Mm. And when she says that, I take it in. I'm like, oh, yeah, that feels that feels true, actually. I can, but it's, yeah, it's a lot less lonely for me to hold that paradox and do this work with Nicole. And yeah. Mm. Now, I love this conversation. I can see how fast we just like, boom, we're going right in deep. But I mm. told you and I, for myself, I'm, I'm going to hold something that came up for me when I first started learning about the two of you and this work and like my naive mind kicked in. I had these quick sure. questions. I even wrote some down. So I'm going to pull us back to the surface just for a second, only because I imagine if that hit me that other people are listening to this going job mm. share, like before they're even getting into the, the deeper stuff we're talking about, they're trying to get their head around. Let's, let's break that apart a little bit. So I'm, mm. I'm allowing hey. myself to ask yeah. these questions that, even sure. as I read them back. So it might be a little yeah, bit yeah, na- yeah, naive, yeah. but I think they're the, the kind of questions I imagine people are wondering, time, <laughs> how's that look? How do you divide, like, how does that work? My, my fear would be you'd both be, you'd both be on your computers at night, like saying we're job sharing, but we all have this stuff we got to do. Like, so how do you, how do you manage the time around it? Do we manage time? So on a really pragmatic level, we both work three <laughs> days a week. We have one crossover day. Recently, we changed it so we had two because we recognised the value was in needing more time together because we collaborate a lot. For a lot of the time, we in the beginning, we had to we had to experiment with this. We had to set this up ourselves. It's not like this comes off a template, right? <laughs> so we had to experiment with how to make it work. And we found the value was we identified particular pieces of work that either of us could lead but then we consult with each other a lot because that's where the value is really rich, like, the you know, the thinking, the shared thinking that comes. So we, do, we, we lead different pieces and we have different responsibilities, but we do really deep collaboration on most of that. Is that right, Alex? Which is that? Yeah, and, and it didn't start like that. That evolved because of this time issue, Craig. You know, there was a stage where we were writing emails at the end of each day saying, these are the things you should know and why I spoke to the other person about. And then slowly we just found a new rhythm and a new system. And so it has been an evolving thing. Um, but, yeah, mm-hmm. that structure around having leads I think has really helped us decipher where to shoot certain emails or um, who to direct people to. Having said that, being super responsive to the business is always a priority. So if there is something I'm not there on a particular day and I think it needs to be dealt with, I'll just shoot it over to Nicole and vice versa. And we can both, you know, step into those shoes. Um, but yeah, we don't have to get every, each other across every single conversation like we, I suppose we were doing in the earlier stages. And you hit on a couple of things in there that are part of these other ones. One was I wrote down like responsibilities or the tasks. And you said, we laid them all out. Is that, is that what you did? You laid out the tasks mm-hmm. of the role and, and pick and choose. Do you share them? How did you organize kind of the, mm-hmm. this is what needs to get done in this role. And where's two of us? How are we doing? I, I personally, I, the way I started to organize that was really around thinking about projects rather than tasks. Like what are the strategic adaptive challenges the firm's facing? Okay, right. Like there's so many things we could do, but if we did these three things really well, 
what would be the projects that drop out of that? And then who wants to lead these projects? And um, and that's not just Nicole and I, uh, uh, the coordinator in our team, it's a very um, non-hierarchical team. They lead projects as well. We are all project leads. But the way we decided who would take those projects is based on strengths, based on interests, um, and somewhat based on um, seniority, you know, uh, visibility and optics in the business, of course, as well. But um, yeah, so we all do very similar tasks. You know, you could be a coordinator setting up calendar invites for a particular with stakeholders on your project, just like Nicole and I could be as well. So there are projects and mm -hmm. is, is it clear, like each of you says I'll own, I'm sure you work together on things, but are there owners of those projects? Is that how do you divvy that up? Totally. You hit on knowledge sharing. That was one that came up for me. How do you ensure? Okay, great. I, and I'd love to hear really where you got to for others. Like, like, like you took the time, you put it in, you worked it out. Like, what would you share? Where, where did you land on a healthy knowledge sharing system? Mm. Nicole, you go. And maybe this is where, you know, maybe this actually kind of comes down to some of the deeper fundamentals about making this work. Look, Alex and I love talking to each other. So it's not hard to share knowledge. Like we love we love, we're, we're endlessly curious about exploring together, about sense-making mm -hmm. together, about understanding together, and we're both deeply passionate learners. So, you know, sharing knowledge is, is the juicy, one of the juiciest parts of the, of the experiment. So not hard. But having said that, it doesn't come without complexity too because it's fast-paced and we are leading different things and we are in different places but we share power. Mm -hmm. And this is where trust becomes actually so fundamental to success because um, you've really got to be clocking, you know, you might be, you know, hard at it leading whatever project you're leading but you have to have another lens which is, what does Alex need to be aware of? I need to make sure she's across this. I need to, I've got to connect her with that because we've got to be moving in tandem. You know, like it's so important that we stay in that sweet alignment. So that's another kind of lens that you have to bring to it. And I'm also, okay, now I'm picturing myself, I'm a director directing a team. Yep. That's great that you're doing this, but I need to, and it, I, yep. I judge we're also programmed to go to a person <laughs> Right. Do I have a relation to some, some directors have a relationship with Alex and with Nicole? <laughs> is there a single email address that I just sent? Like, how do we keep that human relationship going? Maybe we should have that. We don't have a single email address. Yeah. These are really good questions. <laughs> it actually teases out all of the, the real truth about where things can fall over, right? Because you've absolutely hit on how you can have a great idea, but it, it all comes down to execution, right? How, do you want to respond to that? I want to hear your thoughts. Alex? I think it's it, it's very contextual. I think there's been times when the team in earlier stages were reporting more into Nicole and she was doing more of the team development. And then slowly as her um, delivery out in the business um, sort of picked up, I stepped into that. So um, this might be hard for some people because I, uh, as you're listening to this, there's no it's not very black and white. There's not really a lot of hard and fast rules. We are working really in a quite a fluid way based on what the context is demanding at particular points in time. And I suppose that's why we keep dropping into the deeper conversation because that requires a whole bunch of navigating trust mm -hmm. and judgment of, you know, deciphering what information does need to be shared quickly versus holding on to it and all mm -hmm. of those sorts of things, which is where the where the complexity lies. I think the team also direct that a little bit, like this isn't in our control. Let's remember that they're kind of, they're now saying, oh gosh, should I go to Nicole? I bet if they were answering this yeah. question, they would have a different answer for you, Craig. Like, yeah, I, I think they probably direct that a little bit themselves. I think they totally do. And and because what, what, you, what this touches on here yeah. as well is, of course, we do have different styles. And we... Yes. And we also have different strengths. So, you know, it's a kind of like mm. a, like a, in some ways, it's like a family works in some ways. You know, you've got two parents and, mm. you know, the kids are kind of going to get smart, aren't they? And they're going <laughs> to work out how to, you know, how to get the best out of both. Um, I'm so sure our team are doing the same thing. I'd hope they would. But, you know, even as I'm asking these questions, I'm, I'm feeling this juxtaposition because my mind too is like, 
playing with it in the context that I think most of us are used to. And as you're talking, I'm thinking if you just called it the learning and development team and Alex and Nicole lead it, like, would it be so confusing? Like, so have we created these structures that make it so hard to get our heads around when it's really not that big of a deal? Like you're two people, you have this, you have this, you know, uh, mandate over you that, you know, what, what you're supposed to be accomplishing and you go for it as you're talking. I'm like, Oh, it sounds like you're on a team together. It, it's always, it sounds simple. I was just reflecting, thinking the same yeah. thing, Craig, like, do we overcomplicate <laughs> this stuff sometimes? Um, yeah. Yes and no, but I, I want to hold space and we're not going to go all the way into it now, but mm-hmm. I, I think a lot about organizational structure and how are we trying mm-hmm. to fix things while we're being con- confined by structure, you know, or psychological safety, all these things that are wonderful, but like, are we stepping back and saying, we can do all the best stuff in the world, but we're working under hierarchies and pyramids. Like, does that promote psychological Mm -hmm. safety and lack of competition? So I think that's good here too, in the sense that how do we confine ourselves with things that are, like we said, the the child in us, it's so simple, yet we've complicated these structures and these, we've made it complicated. Now Mm -hmm. it's like, even my own mind's trying to tease it apart, Mm -hmm. yet it seems simple. Yeah. Here's the last high level question challenges so all these things are great where like honestly where have been some of the challenges in this in what you're doing like if somebody said you were we're thinking about doing this tell us the tell us the good and the bad what would the challenges be if Mm. somebody was thinking about this question alex do you want to go maybe i'll start and we can riff together because i think that's how we do this right um (laughs) sounds so easy I don't know. Not many challenges here. Three days a week is good. It's not. It's challenging. And what I'm hesitating on is that Mm. I think it's very personal. I think I could share my challenges Mm. and they're not necessarily all the challenges someone else would feel. So I suppose let's take the umbrella here is it really brings Mm. stuff that's in your shadow to the surface. For me, on a more personal level, other people might not have this, but part of mine has been... Um, learning to fully trust, you know, there's there's at times been a little voice in my head that says things like, has Nicole, is Nicole speaking to that person? Do I know everything that's going, you know, that real, that more controlling, mistrusting, do I need to protect myself here, you know, and, and then very quickly in this experiment, I've been able to say, if you can't trust Nicole, you can trust no one. This is this is the healing process for you. And that's why this has been so important as part of my own personal development. And that's why I'm sort of hesitating here because then that drops me into a deeper conversation around, well, what are the conditions that actually have set this up to enable me to have this other voice that can quickly come in and parent that that scared child, the protecting one? And, you know, that's over 10 years of deep friendship and and having lots of conversations with Nicole about who we are as people before ever dropping into this. And so I start to think, oh, gosh, could you do this with someone that you don't know really, really well, you know? Um, and I think you can. I don't want to, you know, say out there that you can't, but I also want to be really honest about what's enabled me around some of my own personal stuff to be able to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. How about Nicole? What, how would you answer that? What have been if you were talking to somebody? Some of the challenges. Yeah, I just I think that I think at the heart of 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 what we're we're really experimenting with is 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 really the concept of sharing power. And you know, like mm. whenever you've got two or more people, you have status and power, and it plays out. It's always there, but we are just not used to talking about it in a professional context. Um, And that's the experiment. So we're being really brave because we're talking about the dynamics, which they're always there. They're always happening. We just don't talk about Mm -hmm. them. And there's another level, like Alex has just completely articulated, Mm -hmm. there's another level of vulnerability in talking about it. You know, like, mm. you know, feeling, feeling that the trust thing or, or moments of feeling jealous or moments of feeling, you know, um, insecure, mm. like everyone has this at work, like everyone has this at work. But if we are going to create the conditions to really thrive, we have to allow that to be in, in the conversation. And that's been the real work. It's So it's been the challenge, but it's also been goals because that's where everything happens right 
it's like the saying, the work is in the work. Like what you think the work you're doing is, there's this other thing that like, 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 is Nicole going to do that or not? It's probably going to get done. But like un that under the surface, the true work of, wow, look at that. Like, am I able to let go of this? You know, can I take a vacation? I take, what Friday? Maybe I need to be back on. I love, I mean, and that's where I think a lot of this is going. I mean, but the way you summarize that around power and maybe this is a little micro experiment. I mean, there's so many different angles. I mean, I want number, well, okay. I have a couple different places we can go, but let's just go with that for a moment. Power. What have you learned in this microcosm about power that you think step out of this job share, whatever? Cause you just said like, let's be real. This is happening. Like we're all job sharing, right? Like there's 500 people in my company job sharing. So we get to get it done. Um, what, what have you learned about like what, are there key takeaways around this idea of power and power dynamics in the workplace that have come out through this role that you think in this little experiment you could share with others and support others to manage and deal with power? So for me, understanding power and, and becoming more sophisticated around power is all is actually all about your relationship with fear. Because mm. fear is that primal driver and so, you know, I think that um, I've had to change my relationship with fear and I've had to see fear as mm -hmm. more like a, like a talisman, like a, like, a, like a guide that shows me where the, the door to courage because if I choose the door to courage, that's where the growth is, right? But fear will show up first. So get to know your fear she dresses up in different disguises sometimes. <laughs> That's what I've learned about power. <laughs> mm. Alex, what have you learned about power? Love that insight. It's just a construct. I mean, in, in many ways, it's something we're always sharing with each other. Mm -hmm. And I think it's been a real way to bring, uh, show up your ego. If you, if you don't know, if you don't know your ego well, try and share power and you'll get to know it really well. <laughs> and, uh, Mm. Yeah, in the construct of a sort of a hierarchical system I'm talking about where these external sort of things have been put around you because, I mean, essentially we're navigating right now how to share power. Who talks? Does Craig talk first? Does Nicole? Do I pass? Like, so actually we're all, wherever there's an intimate um, connected relationship that we're trying to bring forth something for the better of everyone else, we're all navigating power it's just it seems to get more complicated when we start to think about that power within the external construct that other people are putting around it and those structures so and we are navigating power but i'm not holding anything to do with your pay yeah with your livelihood with your promotion with your, right so you're absolutely right we like you can look at power in general how but in our organizations what the, the two of you have learned that you could extract a, like I, i'm really getting at kind of the challenges and where power has been abused and how we can uh better build, like we said in the beginning, we want to build better organizations and clearly abuse of power is probably one of the most undermining and marginalizing thing we feel. It's probably the thing that drives so much the challenges people have in their own lives around their work because someone is exactly. abusing, has been put in a power position over another person and then doesn't have that relationship to go and don't, doesn't need to face it and deal with it because they don't, they have the power, they have it, they have the ring. Yeah. I mean, and we've all had experience, I think at this stage in our career, we've most of us have had an experience of that. So I, I do feel very, very conscious. This brings up the conversation for me around feminine leadership. I mean, mm -hmm. how do you lead? Okay, so if we do think about this external sort of structures that put around power and how you can abuse it and abuse it and, okay, well, what does it mean to not take advantage of that? What does it mean to use it to the better of others? I think being in a leadership position is a position of privilege and a lot of responsibility. And so you start from that place. Okay, well, if this is my responsibility and I'm choosing this, because when I choose this, I'm choosing not to do something else. I'm giving up something else. So with from that stance, okay. And now how do I, I think what you're choosing here is to, to accept the invitation of how much power you have to change other people's lives. Other people are looking at you and you are helping create conditions for them. So that's the starting place around power. Hearing Alex talk about feminine leadership brings to mind my own journey exploring masculinity. Now, I want to be clear on what I'm referring to when saying 
masculine and feminine energies. I'm not talking about gender. This is not the same as male and female. Rather, looking at what society tells us about how we should feel and behave based on identifications of either being a male or female. In our conversation, I reference Gert Hofstede's work, a highly respected Dutch social psychologist who was looking at and analyzing these constructs back in the 70s, and his work continues to influence cultural evaluations to this day. He discusses masculinity as referring to assertive and tough with a focus on material success. And on the other side, femininity, having stronger focus on nurturing and quality of life. I believe that this is an important conversation and one that deserves more attention when thinking about how we approach our work and our workplaces. So as we were talking, I realized that we were hitting on this topic and decided to go there. I wanted to know how these masculine and feminine energies were showing up in their own dynamics and perspectives. I get so energized by this conversation because like you, Craig, I'm with you. I want to decouple this from gender. It's really important Mm. to make that clear. It's not about gender because we both have masculine and feminine. Mm. But I have a hypothesis, rightly or wrongly, and I think Alex shares this, but the workplace and the world of work has become a very masculine domain. So it's 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 driven by by masculine those masculine energies and even talking about hierarchy and structure is a reflection yes. of or, or and even real achievement orientation and goal focus and these are real masculine attributes which are brilliant and they're brilliant when they are balanced with the feminine mm-hmm. and so I feel as though we haven't seen enough of that balance in the world of work. So the masculine energy is a thing that you said, it's about control. It's about completion. It's about task. It's about, you know, competition. What on the other side, how would you summarize uh, those female, the feminine energy traits? Do you want to say that Alex? You totally embody them, Nicole. So I think you should say (laughs) that. I don't know. Look, I think, Craig, when I think of the feminine, the feminine is much less linear. The feminine is um, circular. The feminine works Mm -hmm. collaboratively and in a a much more circular way. So we don't, um, we're much more interested, I think, in the process of working, in the way and the conditions and the energies about the way we're being together than we are on the outcome specifically so you can see why we need each other so much hey why we need both why we need the dance because either on its own is incomplete but you know but but being able to really create and hold both with the kind of interdependence that gives us the best conditions isn't easy it's not easy because the the paradigm, the force of that masculine energy in the world of work is big. Mm-hmm. It kind of sucks you in and it pushes you down that energy. It's a norming um, function. So, and it says, you're welcome here. You can come do on it in. This way. Come on in, woman. Come on in. But, but play this game. Right. These are the rules but, of the game. And that's, that's what we need to push apart. And it's like, oh, it's accepting. Everybody's welcome here. But, but who's writing the rules? So even linking... Linking back to Alex's sort of insight before about, you know, she was running these experiments when she first started in the role where she was showing up in ways that are much more feminine. She was kind of challenging the those normative assumptions and it was really lonely actually. And so having me share that with her has given her more courage to experiment, I think, well, both of us, the courage we need yeah. to experiment yeah. with these maybe more feminine ways of working and just bringing them in to complement the masculine. Yeah. I want to share, and uh, I think we can probably put it in the show notes. Uh, just recently, somebody shared this with me and I've been thinking about this for a long time. A gentleman by the name of Hofstede, Hof- the Hofstede yeah. Institute, some people know of, they do a lot of cultural, they're particularly large in, in Europe. Um, in this late sixties, early seventies, Hofstede himself published, they, they put together a, a masculine feminine kind of um, mm-hmm. index mm-hmm. that they used a cultural index and they even used it against countries. They looked at countries that where they, where they ranked. Um, and really, if I summarized the two on the, the masculine was, was about task and achievement. And on the feminine side, it was around relation. And I think it's what you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which which I just I think is so fascinating. And it was done in the it was done in the sixties and seventies, long before this conversation. So I think mm-hmm. that also gives it some 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 weight. Yeah. However, I'll say that I spoke with somebody at the Hofstede Institute recently. I said I just saw this, and I didn't know. Do you work with that a lot? And they said, yeah, we do, but we've kind of backed away from those words because we the walls go up, which again, go through the 80s and the 90s mm-hmm. makes sense. And I, I guess when I had that, I'm like, oh, but I think it's time to move yeah. <laughs> It's become quite polarizing though, because I think we have confused the conversation with a gendered conversation. And that's unfortunate yes. because it creates a polarity yeah. for us. Yeah, it's juicy. Do you think the two of you balance? So we've we've spoken about that, like, and we're talking about this balance. Do you think when we're talking about these energies, the masculine and feminine, do, do you think the two of you hold those together and and create that yeah, balance in your I role? I think we do. I think that's that we do. And again, it's it's a polarity that we have to, you know, a polarity to manage between us. And those energies shift a bit, don't you think? Would you think so? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's like this system. When when you're being more masculine, maybe I, I sometimes balance out with my feminine qualities and then vice versa. And it's not to say it's always one or the other, actually. It's it's not quite that simple. There are times when we're fully more in our feminine and then from that place yeah. of sort of relaxing in, creating the conditions we can trust that actually the output's going to be great. Yeah, um, so I think we're really good because we've got, such that foundation like we talked about for so many years of knowing each other that we can Mm. move like that um and we give each other like let's be yeah be real go to get stuff out in the world and we give each other a push push along when we need to as well but didn't we just say right i mean the really the gold is in the balance and that's sometimes we need need to get 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 down to Mm. it and get things Mm. done uh especially in in this capitalistic you know we're running organizations let's be real um but Let, we can still like look for that look for that balance. But there's a need for both sides. Let's make this really tangible though for people. It doesn't sound like, "Hey, Nick, you need to get that out." It sounds more <laughs> like, "Oh, what's holding that up? Can I help you in any way? Like, is there a reason you're you're stuck here?" You know, it's a different. It still has a feminine approach to it, I suppose, yeah. because we're thinking about the feelings and what's going on for the other person rather than just making it about yeah. ourselves in a way. Yeah. And I mean, I think Alex, that speaks to our brains so badly want to like separate. Yeah. It's either that or that it's, 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 and, and that's exactly. where we are juxtaposition. Yeah. Masculine, these energies coexist at the same moment in the same time, in the same conversation. Yeah. That's hard to get your head around. Yeah, it, it is. is. And, it, and it, is. it reminds me Craig too, about again, one of the, the challenges of our times in this time between worlds is just the, the speed and the urgency with which everything feels mm. energetically, which even that in mm-hmm. in and of itself um, makes it difficult for the feminine to find a place because it, it forces our brains mm-hmm. into that kind of, you know, efficiency mode, you know, um, and we don't have all of our capacity when we're in efficiency, do we? No. Mm. And we're not look. I think about the um, like the the farm, right? The land, and that if if you know, our, sometimes we we run our our operations just like we just take take mm-hmm. take take take. But like farmers know that you have to like let the land rest mm-hmm. and you have to let it recoup, and then you re- like. But we don't give ourselves the same. And I think that's what you're talking mm-hmm. about. And and then we have yeah. burnout if we take take take. If the whole machine is designed on on extract extract extract, ultimately yeah. you're depleted. So. Where do we build that in, and are we able to see that? Like that's the 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 yin and the yang, the the dynamics to like produce, but also then mm. go back and nourish and, mm. and grow and rebirth and all those things. And you know, I mean, and you can see mm. we're out we're out of we're out of balance. Yeah. The last piece about the job share that came up for me that I want to ask the two of you um, is while well, speaking of masculine and feminine, I have to say that I, I poked around looking for others, and I did see other examples of job share and. It was always, at least what I saw, it was always women. I thought mm, that was interesting. Mm. But I think my other question, we'll just put them together and see what you have to say. Is it is this something that's that's interesting that it's fun to share about, or is this something that's bigger? Do you feel like you're on the cusp of something? Is this telling us something about what's next about our workplaces of the future? What do you think this means in the bigger picture? I hope it's a trend. That would be my 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 short answer. Me too. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. But not just, it scares me though. If it's only women, I'm like, oh, is this just the response now? That's what we do because women have to, children and are at home. So therefore you cut your jobs in half. Like, I, you know, I mean, that's the only, that's the downside that scares me when I see that. Yeah. I really hope men, I, I hope that 
people, um, look, I've been working four days a week before I ever had a child as a starting point. I, I haven't been a big believer in working five days anyway. So I was already... Let's start that movie. <laughs> so that, that's the thing. <laughs> I hope men are starting to trend. If we do want to think about this in gender terms, are starting. I think there is a trend there are starting to think about the value of time and the other ways we can use it apart from just at work and how the time outside of work actually benefits who we are and how we show up at work. I, I see it just where I live. There's quite a few um, physios actually who both the both the parents work three days a week and they have one whole day where the parents put the kids into childcare and they have a day together during the week. I mean, I hope I hope and I do think we're heading towards that place as society um, shifts and changes and our consciousness around what it means to live a full and healthy life is starting to shift. I think we will see shifts in structures of how we how we do work. For sure, and maybe just on that too, because uh, Craig, I feel like I want to turn the I want to turn the microphone around and ask you a million questions about your work on masculinity because yeah. <laughs> that is really pioneering and really interesting. Because in some ways, if this were to be a trend, you know, we have to be asking men, you know, other 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 constraints of what masculinity asks of you working for you, or, mm. or is there space for you to? to think div- differently about this because this invitation's there for you, but there is that masculinity piece that's got to be unpacked, I guess. Yeah. I mean, look, you're, you're absolutely right. I'd love to share. Here's what, here's how I'll summarize. It's just where my head's been around. Like it's been, it's been number one, a personal journey for me for a long time that I wasn't talking mm-hmm. about at all. Uh, I got into, you know, a culture amp. I started to do this work. I started to talk a little more about it with some of my colleagues. I started to get more comfortable which was a journey and led me to the stage at Culture First Global in 2019, where we put together a panel and spoke about it, which was very vulnerable, which which then led me to decide that I was going to submit to South by and we got accepted. Mm. So it's been its own journey, but here's, I'll just summarize this. I am not an expert on masculinity. I don't claim to be, but what I've learned in my journey and in sitting in circles with other men and creating vulnerable spaces is that um, for all of us, when, when, when men can get vulnerable and start to share and you hear, you start to hear the stories and unhealthy masculinity yeah. is hurting men. I mean, if you get men to start sharing and they start telling the stories of how men have hurt, like what men have done to other men, it's, it's, it's everywhere in this trying to get to the top yeah. of the heap. And most, you talk, talk to most men about their, their locker room experiences, talk to most men about what it was like, I, it, you know, the fathers, the, like, there's so much sad out there. And so this, this issue is not about how men are just handling, treating women in the world. This, this issue is systemic. It's, and it's, and it, 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 what's interesting is this conversation has mostly taken place sort of in the private sphere, if you like, but, but some of the things that Alex and I are experimenting with is bringing these conversations into the workplace. It's tricky. In really human ways. It's really interesting, Mari, though, what you raise here, Craig, is like, could two men share, do a job share the way we're we're doing it, if, you know, practically? I believe, I mean, there are men in my life Mm. that I know that we have created ground rules, that we've worked that out, that we've done, Mm. that I would trust, but it would, I would need, if it was me, I need to do with, 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 with another, if it was another man, I need to do with another man that I, that we've already worked some of that stuff out. Like I know yeah. that I can come to you straight. I know that I can share with you what's going on for me. Like, mm-hmm. um, and that we just have the tools. I don't need, it doesn't have to be all worked out, but like the basic tools and agreements in place that we're willing to, yeah. to, to, to go through that. Like, yeah. um, you know, so I think it could be done. I just think it takes, like you said, it. there's a cooperation element on it, right? And we talked mm-hmm. about that. I mean, at least, at least in that Hofstede stuff and the stuff I've spoken about, this idea of the stoic go it alone is a very deep in the, the mm-hmm. male psyche. So I think- I think you'd have to start to unpack that a little bit. Cause it would, I, I judge it would come up a lot for somebody that really holds on to traditional male like, yeah. principles. Yeah. Yeah. But how great, but the, like the beauty and the power of what I've learned is there's so much more power in, in like all of those facade masculine things that like for me, vulnerability for one is, oh. and it's super, it's powerful. Like, and I've learned that. So like sometimes when you play with it, you're like, wait, there's more masculinity, more power in this other thing than what I thought. Mm. Okay, we're going to this is fun. We're going to move into the, the the final part is these flash questions. Now, typically it's me and another person, but there's two of you. So, Alex, I'm going to ask you to take your headset off now. Keep an eye on me for hand signals. Okay. All right, and here we go. New emergent theme in this past year. Oh god. Like um love. 
biggest challenge for you? Transforming fear. One thing you would say to every, if you had every manager in the world sitting in front of you mm-hmm. and you could say one thing to those, what would it be? The world needs your unique expression of who you are. Okay. This next, I slipped this next one in because I just love music so much. Mm-hmm. Music that has impacted your life. A band, a song, whatever. When you, I say that, what comes up? Oh. Okay. The first thing that came up was the Pixies. <laughs> the Pixies. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. Music. Uh, look, huge music um, fan. So lots and lots of different music, but lots of classical music recently. Uh yeah, lots of stuff that soothes my soul. Mm. All right. If you could take a vacation anywhere in the world right now, where would it be? <sighs> Maybe the south of France. Mm, that sounds nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> book recommendation. Oh, my favorite book is When Things Fall Apart by Pema Chodron. I have not she's, read that. She's a, she's a Buddhist teacher. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Magical. Okay. Great book for our times. Podcast recommendation. Okay. At the moment, I've been really getting into a podcast recommendation called Rebel Wisdom. Rebel Wisdom. Really, really great um, integral thinking about world challenges. Nice. What's your superpower? What's my superpower? Okay, my greatest service, I think, and superpower is is facilitation. I'm a really good facilitator. I think we're, we're superpower buddies. Um, <laughs> this is the last question. How do you keep learning and growing? Oh, wow. Thankfully, I am wired that way, right? Like I am deeply, deeply curious. So it's not hard for me, but how do I do it? I always, I have a complete orientation around relationship. I think all learning is relational. So I'm endlessly curious about people and it's Mm. in relationship that I learn the most. Yeah. I think we were split at birth. Um, Okay. So that was the, that was the last question for you, Alex, put them back on. Come on back in, Alex. Are you ready, Alex? (gasps) I'm ready. New emergent theme in this past year for you. With COVID and job sharing, really more deeply understanding um, interdependency. Uh, biggest challenge for you? Showing up fully in all the different roles I play. Um, we haven't touched upon it today, but I'm also a couples counsellor. Um, <laughs> so I'm a mum, a couples counsellor, and I'm also co-leading at the moment. And I'm also a partner and a sister. And all of those roles are so important. I'm just showing up, showing up fully in all those roles. Yeah. Um, if you were sitting, there's an no, if you're speaking, there's an audience in front of you of every manager in the world. And you could say one thing to those to them. What would you share? Listen to yourself. Um, now I'm going to go. This is selfish pleasure here. Music that has impacted your life. Well, I have to say it's blues music. I grew up with a dad who was blasting the blues from a really, really young age. So BB um, King, Eric Clapton has been flooding my brain since I was a three-year-old. <laughs> beautiful i love it i love it um if you could take a vacation anywhere in the world right now where would it be ah cool um really local i'd go camping with my family um somewhere near the beach and something really simple is the one i'm in the mood for book recommendation in the spirit of this conversation i think understanding what a dd is a deliberately developmental organization um, which is written by Robert Keegan, would be a really juicy one to help shape and colour a bit of what we've been talking about today. Wonderful. Uh, superpower. What's your superpower? <laughs> oh, maybe coming back to this this power, that voice I talked about, to come back to my higher self and back to my heart when I think it's critical for the greater good for others. This is the last one. How do you keep learning and growing? At this stage of life, it's very much about relationships, being in relationship and and learning about the power of interdependency. Yeah. Hmm. Awesome. Hmm. 
<laughs> well, my friends, I you know I don't know what to say other than I feel like what I want to say is can we schedule a standing one hour meeting once a month? <laughs> <laughs> I just appreciate you both for showing up the way you did. Mm-hmm. You know, talking both to leadership and to organizations, but also just to the human of it all. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just want to appreciate you both. Thank you so much for trusting mm-hmm. me and, and and letting us have this conversation. I, I believe there's a lot of really good stuff that the world's going to enjoy hearing from this. So mm-hmm. I wanted to thank you for it. I hope so. Thank you, Craig. Craig. What a pleasure. Humanity Works is hosted by me, Craig Foreman. Produced and edited by Alessia Campagna with technical production by Anthony Watson. And a special thanks to our executive producers, Leonie Rothwell and Marcus Worrell. To activate a world of powerful potential, visit Sprouta.com. Hi, I'm Leonie. And I'm Marcus. And together, we founded Sprouta. If you love our Humanity Works podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, share, or leave a review wherever you listen. We can't wait to bring you more stories of amazing people doing amazing things in people performance and culture. 